Welcome back to Nourish to Flourish. I am so grateful that you guys are tuning in for this episode. I honestly am just going to start off with the fact that I this episode was so hard for me to release. <laughs> I have written up so many drafts of the points that I wanted to make and the things that I felt comfortable with sharing and even things that I didn't feel comfortable with sharing. <clears throat> and I actually had to go through a little bit of deep work with myself and with my therapist <laughs> to be able to speak some of these things out loud. The last episode, of course, like my mom is my biggest inspiration. So the self-sabotaging practices and behaviors, I mean, like it kind of slapped me in the face. Uh, I know I am so grateful for so many of you who reached out and you're like, oof, you know, like I was listening to that episode, Beth, and I was walking my dog being like, ooh, that hurt. Ooh, you're speaking to me. Ah, you're talking about me. <laughs> and those of you who resonated with that episode on self-sabotaging behaviors and practices. So I am so grateful for you and reaching out and letting us know and giving us your feedback. That is just incredible. And wow, wow, wow. I applaud your vulnerability. So thank you for that. But for myself... It was also tough for me to talk about. And I kind of, you know what? I actually edited a lot out from that last episode because I did start going on this tangent that I'm going to share with you guys today, but decided that it would be best to leave it for another episode because it is a lot. <laughs> and it is tough for me to talk about a couple of these things. However, I do feel that being vulnerable and, you know, being authentic with my audience, that's what I'm going for here. And if I'm asking other small business owners and other people who inspire me to be vulnerable and honest and share some of their darkest times, just to inspire other people to let you know that you're not by yourself and you're not on your own and other people do feel those things and think those things, I gotta do it myself, right? I gotta practice what I preach. So, oof, bear with me guys, let's do this. So for those of you who know me, y'all know that I'm a runner. I love the runner's high, the endurance, the endorphins. I love me some free happy drugs. While I'm running, I can work through the mental battles that I'm faced with. I can work through conversations that have left me puzzled or upset. I feel empowered. I feel strong physically and mentally. However, there is a running side of me that I am challenged by. <laughs> which to be entirely honest with you is the reason why I've been so hesitant like what I was saying in the release of this episode. I am a runner in more way than one and I wanna take you with me on this reflection back to my first memory of running. So I guess this all traces back to a day when I was really little. I remember getting into a disagreement with my mom and I had decided to pack my belongings and leave. <laughs> I was maybe six at the time. It was like the classic grab a mini suitcase, pack your favorite teddies and a change of clothes uh, type movie scene. And the emotions that I was feeling I was when I was packing were so empowering. I felt in control. I was like a strong, independent woman, six years old, get over yourself. But it was it was a thing. Uh, and yet when I got outside, I was so scared that I hid on the side of the house. I remember hearing my mom calling out for me and she sat on the front steps and she was crying. She was anxiously awaiting my return and I was filled with so much guilt <laughs> that I had made her upset. So I rolled my mini suitcase around the corner and I had apologized. 
As the years passed, I found myself either running away with friends or just hopping on my bike regardless of whether or not I had told my parents I was leaving or if I had permission or not. Um, Whenever I was faced with these emotions that were larger than my capacity to understand, I ran. I had always envisioned myself getting my license and instead of turning off the highway at Karen to head towards my parents' ranch, I would just keep going and see where I ended it up. I think we all have that sliver in us uh, that romanticizes running away the whole disappearing act and to be honest with you I still do sometimes let's go back to my senior year in high school I had been dating this total sweetheart and I had so much love for him and his family all of our friends that were down south near Kincaid Gravelberg area for those of you who are familiar with like southern Saskatchewan I loved the life that I was living (laughs) my volleyball career was literally the most important thing to me more important than anything at the time. When I was offered to move countries to go and play, I could not refuse, despite everything and everyone that I was leaving behind. I had to go. I didn't realize it, but I was running. I was running away from the small town girl that I was because I had envisioned so much more for myself than what the trajectory I was on had to offer. I didn't want to end up here. I did not want to end up getting married to my high school sweetheart and settling down in a small town in the middle of nowhere. I desperately wanted to be something more. I wanted to honor my parents and all the hard work and money they put into my volleyball career. I owed it to them. I had to make them I had to make them proud of me. The reality of the situation is that I was offered to play in Saskatchewan as well as in Alberta, but these there's this romantic idea of just disappearing and it had its hold on me and I was being pulled toward this opportunity down south in Illinois. I knew that God needed me there for a reason, and I knew that he had a lesson for me there, and I was ready. I thought I was ready. (laughs) I thought, I, I truly did, I thought I was ready. But you see, that season in my life was governed by this idea that I needed to prove myself. So when I got down there, shortly after breaking up with my high school sweetheart, I started dating the hottest guy there. I fell in love with his family. I got way too involved, way too quickly. And for the first time in my young life, I prioritized a man over myself. I put him before my dreams of continuing to play volleyball throughout the remainder of my post-secondary education. Um, And this is a story for a whole nother podcast, much later down the road. As to be raw with you, it is still a season that 10 years later I struggle with. I've been in a continuous battle with that time in my life ever since. And I'm not quite ready to admit some of the things that had happened to you guys or even really to myself so with that being said we fast forward again to this incredibly traumatic experience that had left me destroyed and and i'm not trying to be dramatic here there's really just no better way to describe it i was a shell of a human i had zero idea of who i was so i ran i called my mom one night and without explanation i told her i needed to come home and i packed my bags i dropped out of university and i was on the next flight early the following morning. I I didn't say proper goodbyes. I let my team down. I let my coach down. I let a lot of people down in that season of my life. And I disappointed more people than I am willing to admit. But I ran so fast. Once I was home, it wasn't long before I had realized that I couldn't outrun the mess that I had made thousands of miles away. 
and that trauma was carried home with me. I packed it in my baggage. So when I was faced with another conflict in my personal life, which wasn't nearly as severe as what I had left behind in Illinois, once again, I packed my bags and I got in my car and I drove to Alberta. (laughs) Typical Bethany, without any fear or any sort of hesitation or logical explanation, I just took off. There was a guy there that I had a thing with off and on since I was like an infant. He was very sweet. He told me to come there and he would take me under his wing and he would take care of me while I attempted to heal. But again, I found myself running while still carrying so much trauma and so much hurt from the past. And I just kept packing it in with me in my suitcases, like never to be properly addressed or dealt with. It was just the baggage that I refused to unpack because it was still so incredibly raw for me. So here's the thing. Before I jump into that season, I need to share this piece of wisdom. (laughs) If you have any sort of unresolved conflict, any type of trauma, any type of negativity that you're holding on to from a previous relationship, anything at all that you have not moved past, You cannot get into another relationship until that conflict or trauma or negativity is resolved. You are only going to end up hurting and you will only end up hurting the next person that you're entering into a relationship with. No, (laughs) you cannot rightfully move forward into a season of a new relationship with someone unless you are healed from your previous relationships, unless you are ready. Please take that away. Please, if you listen to anything from this podcast, please hold on to that. There is no good that can come from carrying any type of baggage into a new relationship. Get the help, get the help, reach out to somebody, hire a therapist, put in the freaking work. I promise you it will be worth it. I promise you, you will come out with a better, more fulfilling relationship if you enter into it whole and healed and healthy. Five months later, I married that guy. Many of you know him and know of this story, of our story. We were so young and we got married two weeks after I turned 18. Like I was a child and there was so much growth ahead of me. I was not ready. My being stubborn, um, I wanted to prove to myself that I was done running, that I was capable of just settling down. And he didn't know about a lot of my unpacked baggage that I carried around with me. I was in denial that I was even carrying it in the first place. Uh, And like I said before, I was not willing to deal with it. So the more trauma or disappointment that I was faced with, I just shoved it into my baggage. Like, you know, when you shove that sock into the drawer that's already overflowing, that's what I was doing. My marriage... And how it ended is also another story for another time as there is a lot that I have yet to fully understand about that season. And honestly, some things are just so personal that it's going to take me a while to fully explain what had happened. But I will share this. Fast forward a few years into our marriage, we found out we couldn't have kids. I had a number of cysts on my ovaries. Nothing was working. We had the talk with our doctor. Like, you know... Like that you might need to look at other options talk and things just crumbled. I wasn't capable of giving him a family and that's what he needed. 
there was nothing more than he that he wanted than children and I couldn't give him that. So again, I found myself in this identity crisis where I felt lost and I thought that I was doing what God had called me to do. I stopped running. I settled down. I did what I felt I was supposed to do. So what the heck was going on? And what did I do? I ran fast, faster than I had ever ran before. He had gone back to Alberta and I went on a bender, a hard, a hard bender. Again, that's another story that will be told another time. But like I said, things just fell apart and our marriage was over. The most recent and most, I want to say, influential experience of running was last year, 2020. The year that we will all remember, right? (laughs) When our world went to shambles. (laughs) You know the saying, when it rains it pours? That was last year for me. (laughs) We all experienced hardships and a lot went down and a lot of people went through a lot of loss and a lot of people are still going through a lot of loss. But here's my story. In June of last year, I found an unopened letter in my car from the Canadian Cancer Society. It was a letter that explained treatment options for cervical cancer. I had a pap smear done about a month prior and I hadn't heard anything back. So I figured like, oh, well, then I must be fine. I am a healthy mid-20 woman. I ate good. I exercised. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink alcohol. I figured I was fine. I was wrong. And upon calling my doctor, apparently I somehow got lost in the shuffle of paperwork. I didn't run new approach of denial. (laughs) And then I ran. Between doctor appointments and trying to run two businesses with restrictions, I burnt out. I I needed to run. I had this urge, like I needed to escape and I couldn't deal with it. So I decided before undergoing treatment, I was going to take off to the mountains. I asked Noah's daddy if he could watch him for a week and then I booked the flights. I planned to go to Vancouver and rent a car and literally go wherever the wind called me. It was amazing. I went to White Rock, Surrey, Kamloops, Vernon, Whistler, Squamish, Kelowna. Like I literally did the full BC tour in a tiny little Chevy Spark named Darla, um, who literally barely made it up most of those mountains. When I say that I had my, like the pedal to the metal and I was like (laughs) slapping the steering wheel being like, come on, Darla. And that tiny little car was like, yee, trying to get up the mountain. It was tough. But um, I had the best time. And I got lost in forests. And I hiked the most beautiful mountains. And I actually spent a couple of days with my cousin. And I hadn't seen him in years. Um, and he is a he's a genuine twin flame of mine. And then I just let myself go and see whatever was calling for me. I had a private boat tour when I got to go to different islands and I saw whales for the first time. And I remember being in this forest by Vancouver and I I was so lost and I just started to weep and I felt, I genuinely felt God whisper to me like, you are safe, you are mine, you are sacred And I will hold you through this storm you are about to endure. And it literally was the most, I want to say sacred again, because I can't think of a better word, like the most sacred week 
of my life. And the peace that I felt there was something that I can't describe. My words just don't do it justice. (laughs) But like they say, all good things must come to an end. And when I came home, to my surprise, my life had crumbled. (laughs) Everything in me just wanted to grab Noah and go back and forget about this life. My family was undergoing devastation. Dear friendships of mine were over. Trust had been broken. My relationship had hit a wall. And I was faced with treatment plans that I was not prepared for. My only stronghold was my son, Noah. He was my reason to get out of bed. My reason to keep going, to keep moving forward. (sighs) And so a few days after being home, I received a message from... This seems so exaggerated, but literally the man who changed my life. He, his name is Andy. He, he doesn't know this, and he might never even hear this, uh, but he was the sailor on that whale-watching boat. And he texted me and invited me to go back to Vancouver and offered me a position to sail the ocean for six weeks and spend my days with the whales, hopping from island to island, And I would kind of be his right-hand man and help with getting the tourists on and off of the boat and his deckhand, essentially. And it was my way out. I asked Noah's daddy if he could make it work, and obviously he was not happy about it. Um, But he told me that it was an opportunity of a lifetime, and it was. And he said that if I had to go, that he and Noah would be fine, and he wasn't going to stop me. I spoke to Zachary and explained that I just, I couldn't carry everything that was going on and I had to go. I asked him what he thought and he agreed it was an opportunity of a lifetime. So I packed my bags at night and I left the next day. This time I would drive there. It was about 30 some hours and it was incredible. That vision, like that movie scene of driving past your turn off and just like keep going was coming to fruition and I had never felt so free. I spent my first night in a magical hotel in Nelson and I made my way through to the ocean the next day. I worked for a couple of days when I realized that I had to go back home. My family needed me and there was a lot that was going on at home and I I couldn't I couldn't outrun it and my boy needed me and what a mess. (laughs) I, I tried explaining it to Andy and, and said like, you know, my family is everything to me and I have to go home. And once again, I found myself trying to outrun the baggage that I carried along with me and I couldn't. So this is where the story gets better. This is where I had to make the decision to change my life. I had to stop running. I had to face everything head on. I had to go through the treatments, the surgeries, whether I liked it or not, I had to do it. I had to face my relationships with family and friends. I had to undergo a lot of therapy and a lot of mentorship. I had to do the work. And trust me when I say that it was a lot of work and it was hard. It was so freaking hard. 
I genuinely didn't know how I would survive that season, but I had this joy of knowing that God was holding me. And he, he sent me a tribe of people who helped me. The promises of God were shown to me through my son's face and the sounds of his laughter and the feeling of his tiny hands holding mine. I owed it to him. He needed a strong mama. And bit by bit, my relationships started to come back together. My family was healing. My relationship with Zachary was better than ever. My relationship with God was stronger than ever. And for the first time, I truly began to unpack all of that baggage from over the years. Truthfully, I'm still unpacking that baggage day by day. I needed the courage to face all that unpacked baggage. I needed courage. And something that Franklin Roosevelt said helped me achieve that courage. He said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something is more important than fear. I was so afraid. I, I didn't want to do the work that I needed to. I didn't want the surgeries or treatments and I hated being off work for months like literally months on end because my body couldn't physically do what it was designed to do. I was again faced with that identity crisis as I was when I found out I couldn't have children. My body couldn't do what it was designed to do. I couldn't move. My body was created to be active, to be physically active. This was my calling. I felt that I was fulfilling and teaching people classes and, and motivating people to get up and move and, and honor their body and honor their spirit. And, and I couldn't do it. I was a hypocrite. I couldn't do it. I had to realize that in order to move forward, I had to decide that there was something greater at stake than my fear. And that was Noah. That was Zachary. That was my family, my friends, my businesses, my education, my thirst for growth. The purpose that God had for me, there was so much more for me than that fear. And I really want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're afraid of, whatever it is that you're afraid to unpack, whatever it is that you're terrified to admit to yourself, there is so much more for you. I promise you that. But the reality is this, no one can do the work for you. No one can unpack all that baggage for you. You have to want to grow. You can't just say it. You have to genuinely mean it. You have to want to truly move forward and be that person that you were designed to be, to live the life that you were destined to live. Because I can guarantee without a doubt that the fear that's holding you back is not all you are destined to experience. All of these experiences have led me to where I am today, wanting to serve others who maybe have endured similar situations, who maybe are fellow runners, <laughs> afraid to unpack their baggage. I feel that calling, I feel that pull, and I'm going to continue to grow so that I can work with you, so that I can hear your story and I can help you begin to unpack whatever it is that you need to face that's holding you back. In the words of Rachel Hollis, one of my favorite authors, she says, but dang it, 
If you're gonna have to go through hell, you should at least come out the other side with something to show for it. Don't just rush back into life as it was. First, ask yourself what isn't worth bringing forward with you. This episode is brought to you by Nourish Health and Wellness, a company based out of Moostra, Saskatchewan, where we serve our clients by supporting them with nutrition and fitness programming for their wellness journey. The awesome part of all of this is that you get to use the discount code Nourish to Flourish to get 10% off. We would love to get to know you and encourage you and set you up for success. Remember, friends, to love your life, move your body, and nourish your soul.